Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest this week is Kenny Johnson. Welcome, Kenny. Hello. How are you doing, Rick? Great. Here's a little bio from Kenny's website. Um, we'll be hearing this story in detail, but Kenny spent over 20 years in prison and has been out of prison since 1997. He is a spiritual teacher and consultant to families and to those who have been out of prison and may be going to jail. He also just finished his book, The Last Hustle, chronic chronicling his years as a, as a criminal and how he, tra he was transformed while incarcerated. Kenny has one passion, and that is sharing the message that God's grace is here now. Kenny's spiritual awareness and other spiritual teachers' insights have been published in the book The Awakening West by John Lumiere Wins and Lynn Marie Lumiere. Um, here's a quote from Kenny. If there's anything worth serving, it's this love. If there's anything worth being, it's this love. If there's anything worth talking about, it's this love. If there's anything of real value, it's this love. So that's a beautiful quote. Thanks, man. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but we've actually met three times over the years. Um, the first time was a long time ago. You must not have been out of prison very long. You came to Fairfield, Iowa, and you spoke, and I came to your talk. And I remember at one point when you first mentioned Gangaji in your talk, you, you doubled over with emotion, and that, right. really, that really impressed me. And right. then later on, I asked some stupid in-my-head kind of question, and, and, <laughs> and you gave me a very down-to-earth answer that kind of brought me right out of my head, you know, into my heart, and that impressed, uh -huh. that impressed me. And then, then the second time we met uh, was like a few years later out uh, in San Ramon at Amici's Ashram in, in, yeah. the, in the dining hall, and, and I said, hey, Kenny, how are you doing? What are you doing these days? He said, uh, you said I'm driving a limousine. And I said, oh, are you a spiritual teacher? He said, no, I'm driving a limousine, <laughs> and that impressed me. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third time we met was last year at the Science and Non-Duality Conference. You didn't do anything to impress me then, but uh, <laughs> but uh, we talked about having arranging this interview, and here we are. So I'm glad we were able to do it. You got good memory. I, I remember you. I was telling my partner Pilar that you know that we are uh, 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 were. Uh, had met before, and but I forgot about the Fairfield, Iowa uh, uh, time. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It must have been the late, long... late 90s or something. Yeah, I just got out of prison then. Yeah. Yeah, I just got out of prison, 1997. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then San Ramon, I remember, I vaguely remember that, you know, because I was, I mean, you said limousine. I said, yes, I was driving limousine, and I was happily, happy, happily driving limousine. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And speaking of the Science and Non-Duality Conference, that has been a great conference for me and the work that I'm doing. Mm. You know, I'm glad that they're put doing it. Are you going again this year? I'm going again this year. Good. Yes. So I'll see you there. And and last year you, you we met just right after Gangaji's talk, and she'll be there again this year. So yes, it's uh, a nice uh, little kind of family reunion kind of thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm sure you've told your story a thousand times, you know, yes, and, and hopefully you're not getting too tired of telling it. But uh, many of my listeners may not have heard it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would like to invite you to tell it again in as much detail as you want. We have all the time in the world, you okay. know, as, as much detail as you feel is relevant and interesting to people. Let, let's, mm -hmm. let's go into it. Maybe I'll throw in a question every now and then. Okay, okay. Uh, it's always good to start at the end. And go go back to the beginning. Okay. Uh, I'm living in California now, and living in California, I'm working with people incarcerated, and I had no idea that all my years of being in and out of prison 
would prepare me for the work of working with the people incarcerated, mainly and specifically women, Rick. And so I worked in the San Francisco County Jail with women once a week, uh, bringing, I would say, dignity to those incarcerated those women because their dignity has been re- taken from them, ripped from them, stripped from them. And I tried my best to go there, sit down, and just be a kind, loving man. Mm-hmm. Just listen with no agenda, no direction, no purpose. And you say, well, what credentials, what qualifies you to do this? You know, uh, did you do, do you know, what therapies you know, you know? And it was all those years of being in the streets and having to watch out for the next person, uh, be able to read an individual correctly and say, this person is a friend, this person is a foe. Mm. And so when I started out as a young hustler in Kansas City, Missouri, at the age of 14 years of old, eight, 14 years of age, I was stealing, I was uh, uh, mainly a thief, a sneak thief, sneaking into offices and buildings and taking people's money out of their safes and out of the cash drawers. And my mother, bless her heart, tried her best to get me to go the right way by taking me to church, you know, getting me involved in uh, 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 in community activities. Or even she even had a community fireman take me in as a young man and try to give me skills, mm-hmm. to uh, 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 contracting skills, so that I wouldn't be stealing. And all of that, none of that really stuck, because it, it was I was bound and determined and it's my destiny to be a criminal as I look back on it. Hmm. it. It was my destiny to be a criminal and to steal and to bring a lot of pain and suffering to people's lives. Because as a thief, you steal a car, somebody come out, the car is gone. You break into the house, they feel violated. You cash checks, you know, the banks have to uh, uh, make up for it. You rob a bank, you're, ter- you're traumatizing people. You know, you're putting women on the streets as a pimp, as a hustler. They're wounded most likely for years and years and years to come because the things you ask them to do for you in the name of the dollar bill. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of, there's a lot of things that I did that I'm not proud of, but it was my destiny to be in prison in order to experience this moment with you. Mm-hmm. Was, I had to go to jail in order to have a conversation with you. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> understand, was, yeah. I mean, because you was, you know, Rick Archer was was destined to do a number of things in order to sit here in front of this camera and have a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, you know, Rick says, well, I don't want to be a college-educated gentleman. I don't want to be married. I don't want to have kids, dogs, whatever. But you had to go through all that to be all, in order for us to arrive here today to have this conversation about the divinity that is present at all times, whether we realize it or not. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, you know, I don't. Um, my life was a lot easier than yours, but you know, yeah. there, there was some rough stuff. You know, alcoholism well, and things yeah. like that in the family, and uh, mm-hmm. I even went to jail a couple times myself. But it was just for right. a, just for a night or two. You know, a little marijuana, nothing big, uh, but. You know all that stuff. Well, it, how it, was okay, Rick? I'm gonna ask you. You the interviewer, but I'm gonna I'm the interview you. Go interview the interview the interviewer. <laughs> okay. How did it feel to go to jail just at one time? Give just one, at one time. How did it feel? 
it was a little scary. You know, the first time yeah. it was in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and I had long hair, which is a little new in those days, back in mm-hmm. the 60s. And there were a lot of these big, tough, no, no, no uh, offense intended, big, tough black guys who didn't, mm-hmm. li- didn't like me. Right. A- and, uh, you know, they were kind of like muttering and, and yelling things at me and all. Right. I, was, I was a 17-year-old kid, so it was, it was a little scary. But, That's I, right. you know, but it was also it was an interesting experience. I remember this one old guy, he had, I guess, been a wino, and he, he kind of hiccuped and burped constantly. And right. he, he was real friendly to me, and he came in my cell, and we sat there and had this conversation. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it was just uh, it was an experience, and... <laughs> it, you know, see, I, I'm sure it was very insignificant compared to all the stuff you went through, but it gave I'll, me a I'll, taste of that. You gave you a taste. So you know how it feels to be handcuffed? Yeah, I was handcuffed. You know how it feels to be uh, photographed, fingerprinted? Yep. yep. You know how it feels to have your liberty? You cannot call, you cannot move, can't do anything? Yeah, in fact, I have dreams. I, not, not, I don't know about recently, but decades right. later, I still had dreams about it. That's right, because that is a is very traumatic for any human being to be taken away and kidnapped mm-hmm. in the name of whatever you want to call it and placed in a cell and not being able to move or, or, or go anywhere or contact your loved ones or whatever else for a number of hours that's trauma yeah and that i experienced that 20 years worth yeah really i can't even imagine Yes, well, that's ma- that's magnifying yours twenty years. You know, magnifying big guys twenty years. Hey, Rick, come here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I understand the whole thing got started because you had been working in some summer job doing construction yeah. and stuff, and yeah. very sincerely working very hard and yeah. and all, and then the guy ripped you off, you know, and it totally right. disillusioned you. What happened is what really was the tipping point. I was already a thief by, I was just a thief. I was just a criminal somewhat by nature. Just, I, I wasn't afraid to steal. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, my mother wanted to do the right thing. My stepfather wanted me to do the right thing. And I wanted to do the right thing because I had been in juvenile, for, juvenile hall for a year. And I didn't like that. The boys home for a year. And I didn't right. really like that. And so I said, okay, mom, I'm going to go along with this, this plan of yours. So I moved in with Conrad, and I took care of his, I babysitted his children. I learned how to paint. I learned how to uh, put windows in. I learned how to wash windows. I learned how to paint, uh, put floors in, carpeting in, everything a construction worker would do. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the summer, it was the deal was that I would work for him all summer. He would save all my money and pay me at the end of the summer. So I have school clothing. I went along with the plan. Come August, it's time to get school clothing and, pay and get, get the money. And I said, Conrad, can I get paid? He says, yes, you can. Let's sit down at my desk. And he got his calculator out. He got, he got the counting and multiplying, dividing, subtracting. And when he got through, he gave me a $32 check. <laughs> So and he just go ahead. Go paid ahead. you about fifty cents a day or something. Yeah, he, he justified that saying, "Well, you stayed in my house, you ate my food, you did blah blah blah." I said, "But you know, as a young man, I said that wasn't the deal. I didn't yeah. know about all that part, you know." Right. In his head, that was the deal, but in mine, it wasn't the deal. It was like, "Oh, I work, I get so much money." And so after I took the check home to my mother, and my mother didn't back my play, mm. you know. So I said, "You know what? I'm gonna do it my way now." Mm. And I called my little hootlum friends, my, my hustling buddies. They gave me, it, it taught me how to how to hustle and put some money in my pocket, 
once an individual, a human being, knows they can walk out the house, I don't know, get a gun, get a knife, or 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 or, or, or get a pencil or paper, whatever, and make and, and and make money, they're cool. I knew I could walk out the house with a screwdriver or my wits and and, and make some money to feed myself. Once I knew how to do that, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. In other words, I wasn't going to starve. Right. And that's the main. That's that's uh, that's what life is all about. How can you not starve? And Basically. Young, <laughs> you know, like I mean, right now, like Rick got to put some money on the table, or he gonna be skin and bones. Right. <laughs> there won't be a Rick. There won't be a boot at the gas pump. <laughs> There'll be a skeleton at the gas pump. Right. <laughs> is your mother still alive, by the way? My mother's still alive. My oh, that's great. Alive. You know, because I was thinking as I was listening to your recordings, I say, I hope his mother's still alive because she can see. You know, she can be so proud now about how things have turned out. Mm-hmm. <coughs> she doesn't know anything about Ganga G. I showed her a couple of videos about Ganga G. She doesn't really care about Ganga G's message. She doesn't care anything. All she knows that wherever this woman is, she performed a miracle because her son is out and living a productive life. That's great. So that is really, 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 uh, uh, to her, a, a blessing in a, in a God sense. Yeah, really. Um, she must be very happy, proud. Uh, yeah, she, so. Good. So let's continue the story. So you're you're a young guy. You're starting to do all this illegal stuff. Yes. And then what? Start going to jail. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, I started doing all this illegal stuff, and I started. It kept. It it started getting good, because every time you would, you know, make a hustle. Get a few hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever in your pocket. You say, "Wow!" And that just boosts your ego and boosts you up and give you more confidence. Whereas you're getting, you actually are digging a deeper hole. So the more every time I went out and hustled, made some money, I was digging a deeper hole mm-hmm. into the world of hustling. The world there was almost like a there was no turning back. And so over the months and weeks of 1965 and 66, I was hustling. And I got busted and was stealing some jewelry in 1966 in Kansas City, Kansas. And that was my first um, arrest arrest yeah. for a felony. Uh-huh. Right. To land me into prison for five years, and that's what happened. Hmm. I got arrested for fe- uh, stealing $10,000 worth of jewelry. I was 17 years of age. They waited until I turned 18 to sentence me. I went to jury trial, and of course, they convicted me. And then I uh, went to uh, they, I went to sentencing when I was 18 years of old of age in October 1966, and I spent two and a half years in state prison in uh, out in uh, uh, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And while I was in prison, I started reading. That's this was the beginning of my education. I started. It was that, that was at it's 1966. It was a revolutionary period. You know, Malcolm X and uh, Martin Luther King. Revolution was strong. Angela Davis, uh, Huey Newton. I mean, everybody was. It was the Black Panthers, uh, uh, Patty Hearst. All of that was just like in the was was in the news every day. Right. I'm following this and I'm reading these books, these revolutionary books, and I'm reading Time Magazine, Newsweek, and Life Magazine all, about all these different people. And then I started reading about Malcolm X. And I started reading his autobiography. And how he said, how he educated himself in prison was to read the dictionary. I got me a dictionary, started reading that dictionary. Huh. Oh, and as, a, as, as an aside note, 
every Monday I go into the Women's County Jail here in San Francisco, and they I, I passed out 56 copies of my book. And now they keep asking for what? A dictionary. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> they got to do it too. I do it too. Yeah. And so and so now I'm taking two dictionaries in tomorrow, matter of fact. I bought me a couple <laughs> I'm taking dictionaries in almost every week. I'm gonna start doing that so they can have plenty of dictionaries in the jail. Yeah. Hey, you know, just before I forget, if maybe uh, would you like some? If people have like dictionaries in their house and uh, they're not using them, they're just sitting on the shelf. You would, would you like them to send them to you to uh, increase your collection? You could give them to the ladies. They can. What you know, right now, man. I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this. Right now, uh, just tell them to send. Is I, I hope I'm not opening up a, a floodgate of stuff. But uh, yeah, send to my PO box because I can take them in to the women, and they will read them. I, I work with fifty-six women, so yeah. fifty-six uh, boot up uh, in it. You know, anything would be a benefit because they will read them. And the, what they can't read, they just it'd be in a library. It, yeah. It'll make it'll make the circus all through the jail. It'd be in a jail forever. So not just dictionaries, but other kind of spiritual books or interesting books or things like that. Yeah, so I, I I I gave my copy of the books uh to fifty-six women, and they keep. They're quoting, you said this, you said this. Uh-huh. And what do you do, Rick? Like, I go into, I'm, 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 I'm going to give you a, 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 a story. Last Monday, I went in, and it was my fourth day working with these women. I went in, I introduced them to meditation like Gangaji does. You know, I go, you sit and meditate for five minutes or ten minutes. And I know they can't really handle a lot of meditation, so I sit about one or two minutes. So this, last Monday, I went, I sat down, I closed my eyes, and they knew to close their eyes. And man, wow. We just deepened. Mm. Rick, as a TM, you know, you know, soon as we closed our eyes, we were there. Yes, when we settled right in. I said, whoa, I, 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 had, I, said, I said, wait a minute, no, this can't be happening. Not this quick. So I said, I, I peeped, I said, <laughs> I said, Okay, I went back in. I said, oh, my God. I said, I could be here all day long. And I, I sat there about another two or three minutes, and I came out. I said, I wonder if you all had the same experience that I had, that this three or four-minute meditation was like all day long. He said, yeah. Hmm. We had deep. We, had, no, we are deepening. We are deepening just by... Coming together and just talking. I mean, I'm not saying let the story go. I'm not saying be in a moment. I'm not saying there's only one love. I'm not saying let's just hang out here and have a conversation and just have a few minutes of meditation. And we're deepening by just coming together in a, 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 a spirit of love. That's great. Very nice. So I'll put your address on my website uh, so that people can send any books that they're, you know. Uh, in fact, I'll send some. I'm often kind of giving away books that you know I don't have room for on the shelf and stuff, so I'll send you some. And I can take them right in, so it's not a big deal at all. Yeah, yeah. And there's no rule about them having to be new books or anything. You can bring in a used book. Yeah, because uh, I, I got caught to do whatever I want to do with that group. Good. Okay, great. So I can stack of books in, I give them to Yolanda, and she says, you know, E-Pod or whatever, and there, there it is. Yeah. Okay. I have another friend who's uh, in the penitentiary up in South Dakota, and there's some rule it has to be n- new books, or maybe I guess it can be paperbacks. Anyway, we're getting off the track. But um, I, I did the time of South Dakota penitentiary. Pardon? 
I did time in Sioux Falls State Penitentiary. Oh, that's where my friend is. Yeah, his name is J. Rue Hall, and he's up there for some kind of bank fraud or something like that. But sent, he's a very spiritual guy, too, but sent him a bunch of books. Anyway, so um, you're a young guy. You're 17. You, you start reading in prison. Yeah. You're reading the dictionary. Let's get back yeah. on the story. Okay. Uh, and I start reading, you know, Malcolm, Franz Fanon, uh, uh, Eldridge Cleaver, um, uh, Le- uh, uh, Richard Wright. I mean, all types of. I'm gonna see all types of books. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, I I meet this young black man who's a, a saxophone player, and I just love the way he. I said, he's, he's my age, and he's making this saxophone do all types of miraculous things. I said, can you teach me? So he taught. He took me and this other young guy. And he taught us how to play trumpet and saxophone. So I, I started learning how to play saxophone. So I'm reading <laughs> and saxophone in the band. Uh, I must say, at that time, prison was a uh, for a young man. It was a place of, of, of growth. Yeah, really. You had all this time to do all this constructive stuff. Constructive stuff, a lot of constructive stuff. And at the same time, I was still stealing in jail, and that almost got me killed. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, Ste- stealing from other inmates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they don't pay that stuff. Like, man, you know, man, how can we stole from me? No, they don't pay that. Right. They just start running a knife in you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I quit. I cut that one out quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, for the next two and a half years in prison, I did a lot of reading, a lot of studying. And when I got out of prison, I was out six months, and I was right back in. Hmm. Just got back into your old habits. Habits, you know, got right back into my old habits. And, uh, Did you try for a while to not get into the old habits, or you just get right back to it? No, I was at that time. I was in full bloom. I was young. Yeah, I had plenty of energy. No fear of prison because I survived prison, so there was no fear of prison. So I said, "Oh, I'm gone." <laughs> so I went, went back and hustled, thinking that I could overcome, I could beat the system. I was automatically just in it. I said, "I can beat the system." So I went out and got back to hustling, and got popped, went right back to jail. No big deal. Mm. I mean, did, did you ever like uh, hurt anybody you know, with a knife or a gun or anything like that? Or what happens is after in prison, after over the years, it gets to the point where you're gonna have to hurt somebody. You're just gonna have to do it. And what happened was I uh, got involved with my homeboys, and they got jealous because I had a good job, I was making money, and I was doing this, I was doing that. And one guy, he just decided he just wanted to take it on himself to hit me in the mouth. Uh-huh. And so when he did that, I had to retaliate, man. Yeah. I mean, I had to retaliate, you know. And if you don't retaliate in prison, it gets worse. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't allow that. So I waited two weeks till everything calmed down. Everybody forgot all about he, him hitting me in the mouth, and I, you know, went and did what I had to do. You know, hmm. now I went into a cell and I tried to bust his head up with a pipe. Wow. I mean, that's, that's what I had to do. You know, I didn't have any guilt about it. I didn't have any shame about it. I didn't have any remorse about it. Like, okay, this is the world that I'm in. This is what I got to do in order to survive and to protect my manhood. No problem. If I ever had to retaliate, I'd be in bad shape because I'm a scrawny little guy. <laughs> yeah, the scrawny guys are the most dangerous. Huh? Yeah. Because they have, there's no. I mean, and then plus, you once you realize you're there, you're all on, you're on your own. 
There's nobody to, pay, to back your pay but you. So, well, I got to make a decision here, you know. Mm. And once you're able to do it once, then you get the confidence. You build up on that. Then people realize, oh, don't mess with him because. He's crazy. He's just going to get you. Yeah. He's going to retaliate. Right. So don't mess with it. Because mm. nobody's going to retaliate. And I will retaliate silently. Mm. Because I read Machiavelli, Machiavelli's book. Uh-huh, Machiavelli, yeah. And, he, and he's always, you know, he, 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 he was like the master of war, of supplies, of being in control, you know, of the enemy. And, and I knew I had to be able to go in, do my dirt, and get away. So I did what I had to do, went in, got away, didn't get caught. They, they investigated me because they, they heard about, you know, that, me had an altercation, but they couldn't prove anything because the time frame had been so long. Mm. Where long, he could have got into trouble with somebody else. So did so you they, actually whack the guy with the pipe? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is, is, was he okay or pretty? No, no, he, he wasn't really okay. He was his head was all busted open like that. They had to mm. do a surgery on his, you know, you know, he almost lost an eye and everything. Wow. Mm. <clears throat> well, I hope they don't watch this interview and get go come after you now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, pardon? What'd you he's say? Dead. He's dead. Oh, he's dead now. Yeah. So, so okay, you're right. So you're in again after six months. You're out in the streets doing your old thing again, and back in jail. How long were you in the second time? Uh, forty-two months. Four. That's pretty long. Yeah. Forty-two months. Yeah. And I got out when I was twenty-four, twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Got hustling. Right back to hustling. Boy, never a second thought, huh? You never thought, geez, you know, maybe I should try something different this time. No, 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 no. No, nah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I had it. I, you know, now nah, you know, as a spiritual, uh, as a, as a, as a uh, college trained uh, physics student, you know, when something is in motion, tend to stay in motion. Mm. So something stronger counteracts. Yeah. So there's just deep seated habits, and uh, now, those habits are running. That's the way you're wired. I'm wired, and and, and there's nothing to tell me. That, I mean, I mean, you know, as as I look back on it, there's not. That's why I like working with the people, women in prison, because I know how they're wired. Yeah. And if we can instruct with the wiring, that we have, we, we get an opportunity to have a different conversation. Yep. So I want to be able to short circuit the wiring like Gangaji did for me. So automatically, our trajectory, hustling, 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 hustling. And then the second time you're back in prison, were you back to the reading and the and the trumpet playing and all the constructive stuff again? Yeah, yeah. I became I was a model prisoner. Yeah, interesting. I'd go back. I would get my saxophone. I would read my book. Now the second time I started reading uh, sociology, uh, communism, uh, uh, Democrats and Republicans and political stuff. Political stuff, you know. So I was into that, you know, and. Mm -hmm. Philosophy, Aristotle, you know, I was into that. Mm. Marxism, Leninism, you know, I was into that phase. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you did your 42 months, or did you get paroled early? I got, no, no, I did my whole 42 months, got out. Got Back to got, hustling. I, <laughs> I, this time I stayed out, I was out two years or something like that before I got caught up. But I became very sophisticated. I was cashing checks. I was pimping. So that when you when you become a, a check casher and a pimp, you taking yourself out of the limelight of the game. Mm. Front street. 
Yeah, it's more subtle. You're not so easily de- caught. So, so, so your, your your stay on the pieces a little longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm out there, so now the game is getting good to me because I'm getting successful. I'm driving cars, and people hearing about me. My name is ringing in the streets. Then I get popped. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of cases now, with checks and all kind of stuff. Even a robbery case that I didn't do. So I said, man, I can't do all. I started counting the amount of time I could get. I freaked out. I escaped. So I saw the bars and I escaped and got away and I stayed out an extra three and a half years. You saw the bars? Yeah, I escaped out of jail. My wow. woman hacksaw blades and uh I was in Liberty Oak County Jail in Liberty, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh I saw the bars. I mean you Amazing. know Yeah, and I saw the bars and and the planet that I, I was said, I gotta get out, I got this because the draw the, the pull to get back to the streets was so strong. Mm. I, I haven't done enough yet. I haven't hustled hard enough yet. I haven't pimped long enough yet. I got to get back to those streets. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and so I escaped and got back out and went right. But this time, I went to Minnesota and I started hanging out with some pimps, real, real pimps. They said, listen, Slim, you can't hustle no more. Like, you can't do a rough hustle, you can't rob, you can't, uh, you got to pimp, man. And so that's when I really learned how to use my mind and my mouth to um, make money. Hmm. And in case somebody doesn't know who's listening to this, a pimp is basically somebody who kind of is a, a front man for prostitutes, right? I mean, you just organize a bunch of prostitutes and you're their businessman, so to speak, right? Yeah, uh, it's, I, I always say that you know, uh, the Pope is a pimp. Uh, you know, Obama, he's pimping real good right about now. Uh, you know, Romney's a pimp. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean that's, that's having people do something for you. Yeah, yeah. Just on the street level, is just a basic put the woman on the block. Right. But if you, whenever somebody asks somebody to go out and do something for them, you're pimping them. Okay, so it's not even necessarily prostitution. You might be having somebody rob things for you or whatever. Just pimping, you know. I see, I see. Okay. I'll have somebody else go do something. You're right. not victim of something. You're, you're a little bit removed from it. From it. Yeah. Drug dealers are pimping other drug dealers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're pimping. You know, I see. Talking to, you know, macking people into doing something. Yeah. Were you doing much drugs during all this? Yeah, alcohol, drugs. Yeah, mainly uh, 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 alcohol and cocaine. Uh huh. But it wasn't you weren't heavy into it. that. It wasn't like you were a drug addict. You're mainly a a pimp and a you know that, a thief that, and stuff. That was part of the lifestyle. Right, right. So, okay, the woman's out working. You know, you make some money. So now, well, you go to the after hours club. You sit down. You snort cocaine. Right. And, and talk to other pimps and other hoes about the game. You're pimping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're playing now. Okay. So you're out there like three and a half years this time after having escaped, right? Uh-huh. And then you got caught again, obviously. Yes. Obviously. Up, in, up in Minnesota. I got caught in Des Moines, Iowa. Went yeah. back to Missouri. I had charges there in Missouri. I did about eight months, nine months in Missouri. Mm-hmm. I got transferred to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. I did the rest of my time in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I got back on the streets two years later after doing it, after escaping. I was back at it. You escaped from Sioux Falls? No, I got I, I got out of jail from Sioux Falls. I got paroled. I, I got see. Missouri to Sioux Falls 
oops, and I got back to uh, and got paroled from Sioux Falls to the streets. I see. I back to Yeah. <laughs> Boy, yeah. You're not a. You took took a while to learn things, doesn't it, Kenny? <laughs> I was hard headed, man. You're what? Hard headed. Hard headed. Yeah. So that's a good. That's what I was gonna say. Something like that. <laughs> I, I believed in my heart and soul that I could get away with it. I, I I still had this belief that I could I could beat the system. Yeah. I still believe that. Nope. I mean, again, there was nothing strong enough to stop me. Jail couldn't stop me. The threat of the death penalty couldn't stop me. You know, life imprisonment couldn't stop me. So I needed something that was really strong to stop me in my track. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good thing you didn't, we didn't have that three strikes you're out law around here in those days, you know? Jesus. <laughs> <coughs> and so a couple more years, pimping again, whatnot, you're back in again. This is like a repeating pattern. <laughs> so I go right back in. Now um, I, I get out. I get pro back into the streets. Now this was gets interesting. Mm, okay. I get back on the streets, and I get back with my buddies. And at this time, there was a, a, a drug was on the street called freebasing. Oh yeah, cocaine. Certain kind of cocaine, right? Yeah, you take the cocaine in a powder form and you shake it up and make it into a rock and you smoke it. All right. I heard of that. That was so. I got I got hooked on that drug. Mm. That drug made me want to make money to keep doing the drug. So I was hustling. I was making thousands and thousands of dollars a day cashing checks mm. because I wanted to buy the cocaine. Mm. That's good. So I was hustling for two years straight doing the cocaine, and oh man, that was probably the worst part of my life for drugs was concerned. Yeah, it took me down to a place where I had. I mean, it just dehumanized me as a human being. I had no morals. I would do anything, no scruples. I would do anything to get the drug, make the money to get the drug. And uh, that's when I got busted for the feds in Denver, Colorado for bad checks. Writing bad checks. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they took me back to, to uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where I got sentenced to 40 years for writing bad checks. Mm. It's right up the road from where I am, Cedar Rapids. I, right. <laughs> Right, I got sentenced to forty years there, and that, and that term, and, and that was the beginning of the turnaround. Yeah, that's and, and so, and then you went to serve out in uh, Colorado, right? I served time everywhere then for the feds. I was in federal prison. I went, to, I did time in Lewisburg Federal Prison. I did time in Talladega, Alabama. I did time in El Reno. I did time in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. I did time in Leavenworth. I did time in uh, Colorado. Why do they move people around like that? Well, they call it, uh, they don't want you to be able to uh, build up a, a system or a network or something. Network. Yeah, okay. So they keep moving you around so you can't never really build up a game. Yeah, I see. If you find out you have built one up, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and so you say this was the, the beginning of the end of this pattern for you. Yes, yes. Why? Why was that? Uh, because then I started, you know, in a, for the, in a, when you go to a federal prison, you're automatically thrown into a different mindset. Mm -hmm. I'm in a mindset of billionaires, millionaires, you know, people making money, all kind of, you know, and, and you're rubbing shoulders with them every day, you know. Guys made $20 million cashing checks, you know. Wow. <laughs> guy, you know, $10 million selling drugs. Like, wow, whoa, you know. <laughs> and they're sophisticated and they, they're suave, you know. 
I'm saying, wow, man, I, woo, you know, just just you just in a different mindset, and they read different material, and they, and so I start bumping, into, I start playing tennis, and I start bumping into cats who had taken boats to India or to Thailand or Vietnam, and and filled it up with heroin or cocaine and brought it back. Hmm. So while they were there, they learned how to meditate and all that kind of stuff, you know. And they'll come back, then they get busted. So here they are to pay attention with me playing tennis, talking about here, man, read this meditation book. I just, you know, I, I discovered this guru in uh, uh, Vietnam, Saigon, some kind of way. And so this is how I was able to get into the Eastern religion was through these drug dealers, these smugglers. Interesting. So they're like smuggling millions of dollars in heroin, and yet they're kind of spiritual guys interested in meditation and stuff. Because they go to India and hang out there for you no, know, because they, they, they're smuggling and they go hang out somewhere for a while and they they, they they get they learn all this different stuff while they're there. Go to Turkey and, and they mm. come back with Islam, so Sufis like, and whatnot, yeah, Sufism stuff like that. So they bring them back to prison. Yeah, interesting. Is that amazing, man? Yeah, it is. How consciousness? This is good now. How, how consciousness can be a, a drug smuggler and bring consciousness back to the penitentiary? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it would, you know, I mean, because it's all consciousness, it's all one. But it's amazing how it it it, it gets it gets its truth to itself in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like I could have gone in there and, and introduced meditation or something. It's got to come in in a way that it's it, it can yeah. come in. Right. And so it was this one cat, he says, man, my woman, man, she'll bring some Hopper Yoga books in from this guru, uh, 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 Muktananda. Mm -hmm. You know, so play of business in the magazine. And then we started being part of this newsletter program. This is about 86, 87. Because he played tennis also. And so I started doing Hopper Yoga. I started standing on my head. I, I <laughs> made me a pyramid and put it up in my bed so the vortex would come up through me and, and, and me out. Oh, man, it's kind of all kind of weird stuff, man. <laughs> Like that, but so it's amazing, man, how you know it happened. My yeah. even Muslim brothers used to say to me all the time, "Brother, once you go hang out with your little white friends, just land in the grass and get some of them chicken them bugs all over you." Because you know Muslims just stand up right, they have a little bow tie, and they don't lay in grass, they don't sit around. And and, and my meditate, we'd be sitting there in the grass and just meditating on the head. So they used to make fun of me because I hung out with the. The, the long head <laughs> uh, drug smugglers, you know, but it was through those cats that the seed of freedom was planted. Mm. They just planted the seed by reading this book, read Yogananda, you know, and I'm reading Yogananda, reading all these different books, and and how you know uh, Yogananda was willing to suspend the animation for 27 days before he died. And he came out of his body, we wasn't touched like, wow, you know. Yeah. After he died, his, his body didn't uh, decompose after he died. Didn't decompose like, wow, whoa. You know, how they could read people's minds and, and they could walk through walls. I said, I want that. <laughs> yeah, especially walking through walls. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was through the drug smugglers, smugglers able to start reading a book that was about waking up mm -hmm. a meditation and yoga and that was, and I, I got fascinated as opposed to Christianity and Islam I was a, a fascinated by it because of the cities All right. Because 
what inmate in prison doesn't want power? Yeah, learn how to fly, to fly out of there or whatever. I ain't fly out, there you go, all that, all that. Mm -hmm. Manifest, manifesting things in your hand and all the side bobble, you know. Yeah. Interesting. So did you begin, like, uh, to meditate kind of regularly then? My meditation was regular until uh, uh, one day I was meditating, and I was meditating about 20, 30 minutes, and I had the most awesome, terrifying experience that if I meditated any longer, I was going to die. Hmm. I mean, you died. You just felt like you were going to die. But, but as you know now, that was the death of the ego. Right. Where the ego was ready to be slain, mm -hmm. but I could not slay it. I didn't have the wherewithal to slay it. Yeah, and you didn't know what was going on. You didn't have a teacher to say, oh, "Okay, this is a good thing." Teacher, I didn't have a guru, so right. I and Yogananda Mutananda says you must have a guru mm -hmm. to wake. And so I started praying. Open. I started praying for a guru. Right. I had a dream the guru will come to me but I have to get out of prison and go back to prison in order to find this guru hmm. in the dream you knew that yeah it was, uh, it was like a, it was like a, 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 a omen hmm. prophetic dream uh -huh. like a, a, a big dream and is that what happened yeah so you got a, you, you were paroled I presume you didn't do your 40 years and got out and went, and went, and 13 months later I was back in prison uh -huh. hustling again Again. Yeah. I got back to prison and I got transferred to uh, Springfield, Missouri. I met Fleet Mall down there. And Fleet Mall, uh, he says, when you get to uh, Colorado prison and look up the Buddhist guys from Trump and Rinpoche organization, you know, they were, they go into prison, they meditate with them. Went up, the, up there and I got back into meditation. You know, again, the tennis players, drug smugglers, here we are again. You know, the other, you know, I got hooked up with them again, and uh, that's when I uh, 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 met Gandhiji. Mm. Yeah. Tell us about that story when you first met Gandhiji. Well, I met her two times. Okay. I met her in night. I met her oh, three times. I met her in video. Mm -hmm. Didn't understand what the hell she was talking about. <laughs> like, what is she talking about? What's coming now? What is that stuff? You know, we were just like walking away like. <laughs> what the heck is that about? You know, but, but but yet there was attraction there, you know. Mm -hmm. and then finally, because she had a, a group of people that would come in and, and work with us, you know, show us videos. So the Buddhists would come in and work with us for us, the teachings are concerned. Hinayana, Maharana, Bajrayana, and Tantra. And, and, and the Gangaji organization would come in and they say, of her teachings. Right. So, uh, April 1994, she came in and uh, to, with a group of us, and that was my first time seeing her, and I uh, made a, a beautiful gift to gift her. I gave her the gift. It was like a little incense burner for her. Mm -hmm. I gave her the gift. She took it. And that at, in that meeting, my friend... John Sherman, fellow prisoner convict. Oh yeah, I've interviewed him. Not wow, man. But I saw him the next day, and he was totally, totally, 
totally transformed. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to him, I said, man, what's wrong with you, man? You're different, man. And he says, I'm in love. I said, who? He says, I'm in love with her. Who her? Her. I said, her. That's what he called Ganga G. He just called her her. Mm-hmm. Ganga G. I said, you can't love her. She's married. Duh. <laughs> Love, you know, and, you know, so and so. Surely enough, he had while he had been he had he had he had, he had, had an awakening experience, to where all he saw was in, was in the form of Ganga Ji. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew then that I whatever he had, I start writing her, and I would get letters from her, and her just enough shakti pot in it. Just I'm like, I mean, I would read the letter like. Oh my! My mind would stop because hmm. just what she said. You are the essence of it all. It's like poems, you know. Mm-hmm. My pop. And, uh, and 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 this went on for the whole summer. September nineteen ninety four. She came in again. It was in the same meeting, another meeting, brother, in a uh, same chapel, rather, same group of convicts, and I. Uh, was sitting right next to her, you know, to her left. And she, after after we came out of meditation, she looked over at me and says, Kenny, I've been thinking about you. And I blurted out the question, Gangaji, Gangaji, Gangaji. I said, it's my understanding that we have to die before we can receive God's grace. She says, Kenny, God's grace is here now. I said, <laughs> oh, she says, you think that you're a black man, you think that you're a convict, you think you're a... You think that you father of the daughter, you're none of these things. And as she was saying that, I was going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into who knows what. And I just totally let go, and the rest of the meeting was a blank. Hmm. I came out of the chapel, looked at a sister that came in with her. I looked into her eyes, and I recognized consciousness. And uh, even today, you know, you'll see us spiritual people. <laughs> yeah. I, and so, but then, then I, was, I was like, whoa. I was like, are you like this always? I don't know what that meant. Like, are you like this always? I had no idea what it meant, but she understood. She said, yes. I said, oh, my God. I had recognized something different. And I had recognized eternity. Then I turned, I looked up the stars, and I saw beauty in nature, the twinkling stars. <gasps> Look, aren't they beautiful? We both looked up, and as I said into, in my book, The Last Hustle, fell into the sky. And it was such a beautiful moment. There was a, a nature even, recognized the beauty in nature that I had never recognized before, along with the beauty in another human being. And that was, that. after that, Rick, um, I never wanted to rob and steal again. I never want to put women on the streets. Those thoughts and those urges come up, of course, but I never, I just don't have psychological energy or the wherewithal to go and to commit those type of crimes now. Great. 
Great. So you, mean, you got paroled again, obviously, and then when you got out, you just didn't have the energy to do it. I, I, the only energy I had was to let him go of the steroids. Mm-hmm. Now all the energy I have after being out of prison since 1994, or having the awakening since 1994, is to share this with those people who may never ever get to go to India, Bali, Thailand, or to uh, Airfield or Saxon. Mm-hmm. So I, my life work is to share this message I'm going to share now with those who would never make that trek. Yeah. So you're saying that even now you occasionally have thoughts or impulses about hustling and that kind of thing, but you just dismiss them or ignore them? Of course. Yeah, they still come up? Of course. Huh. No, this system, this body, yeah. was trained, was conditioned to survive point of a gun, or writing bad checks, or putting a woman on the streets. So when survivor comes up, the urge of, I'm going to die, I'm going to stop. <laughs> put a woman on the street. Well, man, I'm too old. I can't pimp nobody. Who's going to listen to me? <laughs> you could rob a bank. Wait a minute, bank. Banks are too sophisticated these days to rob. Okay, can't do that. Well, you know you could do this. Man, listen, all those things, keep on going. Pretty soon, well, you know you could get a job. Okay, then. Well, you could uh, do this here. Oh, okay, you could. Okay, cool. I, it, it's like it's like a, a computer is, is scanning, zzz, scanning, 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 scanning for options. Mm-hmm. And finally says, well, I take that option there, whereas I can go get in my car and go down to the uh, hamburger joint or whatever or uh, social uh, detox center and get a job. Yeah. And so I don't have a problem working or, or as you said, driving a limousine. Or whatever, yeah. I don't have a problem doing that anymore. Before I had a, I had a problem doing that because I realized getting a job, driving a limousine is still some form of hustle to, to, to feed myself, to take care of myself. It doesn't have to be at the, at the, at the uh, uh, guns. I, all I want to take care of this belly. You know, put a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much for that. And then after I take care of those basic necessities, then I'm going to share this system with others who can do the same thing. So, you know what? I don't have to prostitute myself. I don't have to sell crack. I can just go out here and get me a job and be happy with the uh, basic, basic. Yeah. It seems that, um, so these days, are you doing some regular job in addition to going and visiting the prison and all that? I worked about an hour ago uh, at um, at a detox center in San Rafael in Marin County. Whereas I in, I work at graveyard shift. And I work with those people who try and detox off all type of drugs and alcohol. Great, that's a great job. I mean, since you've been through that yourself, you know, you. Can... I had no idea that alcoholism was the worst drug there is. Mm-hmm. No idea. I had no idea that my clients coming in that have been under detoxing off alcohol, if we don't monitor them, they will die of a seizure. Yeah. No idea they would come in and get, and the guy says, I want my medication. You give him his medication. Come. I mean, I had no idea alcohol was that deadly. Mm. Heroin, cocaine, that, you can eat a de- you can, you can detox off that real quickly. Methamphetamine, you can detox, but the alcohol is something, it's amazing 
what alcohol it, that should be uh um for some people it shouldn't be it was totally 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 bad it should be uh, it should be sold by a prescription yeah because i i, I released a guy this morning from the deep eight pounds in his pocket he came in the police dropped him off he slept it off the man i said you 50 some years old what are you gonna do well, I'm going to go make me some money and I'm going to try to get my life together. And you knew, you knew he was going straight, make some money, go get a bottle and go unconscious. And he says, who? he didn't know who, who arrested him. He didn't know where he got arrested. He didn't know nothing. I said, all of this, it was wiped out. That memory of it was just wiped out. And he lived like that every day. Mm. How can you live like that every day? It's amazing to see that. It really is. It's, when are you going to stop? How can they stop? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you know, you yourself did the same dumb, dumb thing over and over again, even though you kept getting arrested for it. And we've all done things habitually that... You know, we're kind of blind to what we're doing. We just keep doing it until something, some light kind of peeps through the crack. <coughs> and we, we kind of realize how stupid it is what we're doing, you know, and we, we find a better way. But the, I guess the question is, how can you reach such a person, you know? I, 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 mean, I mean, when they come at them, I, I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, you know, like, don't even waste your breath on this person. You know, don't even say you're love. So all you can do is just be kind to him. That's all you can do. Just be kind to him. He said to me, after I dropped him out of the van, he got out, he looked over at me as if he didn't want to leave me. Mm. So like he kind of recognized something. And I know he recognized something. I said, well, okay, man, take care. And he says, all right, man. You know, it's just, I, you can see that he recognized something. But he yeah, he felt something. Yeah. And I know what he felt because he didn't want to leave. Mm -hmm. He hang out. But I, I'm on a mission. I got to go, get, you know, I got to do this. And I said, wow. I could see that he didn't want to be away from me. Yeah, there's something to that. I mean, um, you know, you were, you were kind of... Um, beaming some love in his direction which perhaps had been very a very rare experience for him you know when he got out the van he like he didn't really want to get out the van i said man get up out of here man he can't stay in the van man he gotta go buddy mm. he walked around he says bye i said it was touching i said later man he said well i'm gonna go over here and say wait give me a donut oh you know what that means <laughs> right yeah, I get me a pack of cigarettes. Well, maybe I not get cigarettes. Let me go get some wine. Then I think about the cigarettes. So you know, I you know, you see, he's about ready to kick in. Mm. I just for a moment, we recognize each other. Just for a moment. So as we're having this conversation, you know, you're 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 bringing my awareness to the point fact that. All I have to do at this detox center, even though I cannot get to them, is just be myself and stay present. And maybe one, I might make a connection that I don't know that that, that might be that need to be made. And I don't know how it's going to be made, but just stay present. 
you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. And, uh, and you're pl- I think you're planting seeds also, and who knows when those seeds are going to sprout. You know, maybe five years later, some, you know, some influence you had now is going to finally sprout, and, and the guy's going to say, well, you know, you know, maybe there's a better way for me or something. That's why I go to the women's, women's jail, and I sit down and talk to them to be present. It's so funny, man. You know, I go to the jail, I do my little meditation, then I get up and I walk, and I just sit down in the midst of them, and we just sit there kicking it. You know, we just sit there having conversations. Like, I park somewhere, like, you know, we just sit there and talk for the next hour. You know, I mean, and, and we ain't really talking about anything specifically. We just talking about whatever comes up. And it's amazing how we're deeply just having a conversation. That's why I like... Uh, what Carl Rogers says. He says, when you're with your clients, just go there and just be present. Be empty. We're happy and just be vulnerable to share what's coming up with you. Mm-hmm. And just in that space, which is totally antithetical or, or goes contrary to most therapeutic practices. Because the therapist is usually, what's going on? It's over there and I'm uh, you're over there and I'm over here and that we can't cross this divide. Roger saying just sit there and be human and you'll be amazed what comes up. And we know when Ganga Ji, Adishanti, or any other guru, yourself and myself and Pilar, whenever we sit down and be present to our friends, just being present, something happens. Mm-hmm. You don't have an agenda just being yourself. Make it happen. Yeah, in fact, you know, some gurus very they say that the the main way that they're having any kind of influence is just their presence, like Ramana Maharshi. It wasn't so much the words he said, it was just sitting in his presence and kind of getting tuned into that deep to that deeper presence. Right, right. And that's what I saw last Monday when I was with the women, I said, oh, we're you know, we mm, mm, mm. you know, like you're tuning you hit the hitting the tuning for bing. Now, all these other tuning forks, we're tuning each other. We're tuning ourselves to each other. So when I come in tomorrow, going tomorrow, ah, they know the whole body, the nervous system is saying, ah, now we're t- we got to be in harmony or in tune or in sync with this. Yeah, exactly. And, it's, and, and the tuning forks kind of get each other going more, you know. Right. And so... I'm excited about the work that I'm doing. I've been doing prison work for, 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 since 2005, mm-hmm. but I'm so excited in 2012, going to 2013 with the prison work because I'm on to something now. Yeah, I'm on to something that I, I don't have to contort myself, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> to do. <laughs> do you uh, kind of see the possibility of your prison work becoming a full-time gig? That's what we're in the process. What Pilar and I are doing now, we're rewriting, we're writing a brochure, and we're going back to our website and revisiting our website and redesigning it to focus on bringing dignity to women incarcerated. That's why I'm right now. And so we're, we're, because we're seeing now if we hone in and become very specific and focused, then people can support that because I want to right now I'm going in on Mondays I want to go in on Tuesdays I want to go in on Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays I can go in and have smaller groups like four or five little pods throughout the day and then I can have individual groups 
was I go down, go in, and just sit and listen to the stories. Mm-hmm. Some people were more, so I need a job, I need this. Well, I just was, okay, I understand that, but let's just sit here and talk for the next 30 minutes and just, just, see, just, just to get them somebody to talk to. And I won't have a therapist or other uh, 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 spiritual people to go in with me. Right, right. Uh, and then my after, then I want to segue right about having a space or a sacred space outside of the prison wall wherever I'm at, where they come out of prison, they know they go across the street or go down the street, go around the corner, walk to the sacred space because I want to have it close to that area, like. Bail bondsmen have their offices close to the jail. I want to have spiritual bail bondsman Kenny Johnson, this sacred space, close to the jail. Yeah, like a spiritual halfway house kind of thing. We would come in and sit down and just do rituals, do meditation, uh, or, 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 and, and, and maybe get some direction, maybe get a little few dollars to put in the pocket to go whatever, you know. But that's where, that's where I really want. I've been, I've been having this vision for years, but this is the first time I feel really, really, really excited because I'm more focused now. Yeah. Before I was working with men, I worked with women, I was in county jail, I was in teens, and quitting, I was all over the place. It was a shock. And the people that were working with me, they were really working for me for the sake of their own whatever. But now it's like it's me and Pilar, and we're focused. Pilar is like your partner or something? Laura is my everything. Your it's, girlfriend, your partner, whatever. She's my heart. She's my mind. She's my soul. She's my woman. She's my um, very own self. Nice. I think I've heard her name, but I don't, I don't really know who she is. Maybe I'll meet her at the Sand Conference. Sand Conference. Pilar Cortez. Okay, great. Um, well, the, you know, you think about it. With all the billions of dollars that are spent on the prison system in this country you know, huge amounts of money. There should be something in the budget for somebody like you trying to do what you're doing. Right. And this is how it happens. It's through people such as you, the sand covers. Uh, I do a talk somewhere. People like what I'm saying. Contact this cat and see what he's doing. How can I help him? Write a check for 1000 5000 10000 whatever. And so that's how I've been able to keep doing this work. That's great. Through the largest awakened people that get where I'm coming from. Yeah, and there's a donation button on your site, by the way, which I'll be I'll be linking to your site, and if people want to donate to your efforts, they can click on that and help you out. Thank you so much, Rick. Sure. Um, you know what I find fascinating in a way, it's a little bit more of a philosophical consideration, is uh, just how blinding Maya can be. You know what I mean? It's like we, we get, like the, you were talking about those alcoholics, um, you know, essentially, we're all this pure awareness, pure truth, pure consciousness. We're God, you know, in a human body. But isn't it kind of fascinating how lost we can become? That's Maya, like you said. It, it is. It's it's amazing, and and uh, it's a puzzlement in a way. I mean, I've certainly been there, and still am to a certain extent. But boy, I mean, the depths to which one can become blinded and lost. God, you get so lost. I mean, but you know, and, and that's true. You can get so lost and forget who you are. Forget, but but, but, mm, mm, mm. but, <laughs> but the beauty, <laughs> consciousness, never gets lost. 
And so he, it ripped me running. I'm lost. I, I forgot who I am. Uh, uh, who am I? Where am I? I don't, forget all that mess. I don't want to hear that stuff. I got to here. But then consciousness was like, psst, Yes. Far away, you say, oh. You might see a Buddha in a, in a, you, you know, you, you know what, you might be riding an old raggedy car with a guy who's your mechanic. And you're riding down the highway, you say, why am I with this cat who's got this raggedy car making noise and my mechanic? Then all of a sudden you look over in the, in the driver's seat and say, sitting on your apple. He said, oh, this? And he pulls out a Buddha. <laughs> I said, what are you doing with a Buddha? He says, my auntie gave me this Buddha before she died. And this Buddha been with me ever since. And I said, oh. And there was like consciousness saying to me, I'm right here, even in this situation here. See, Rick, this cat had no connection to no nothing, nothing, man. No guru, no huru, no lulu, no foo, nothing. <laughs> had a Buddha. He said, my auntie gave it to me before I died. He said, this is the most precious thing to me. I said, oh, my Lord. You know those little red fat Buddhas? Sure, yeah, yeah. Thing on the back. I think I have one on the shelf up here. Or well, I have one variation up on the shelf. <laughs> I was asking myself one time. I said, I said, I, 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 I sometimes I'll be with somebody. I said, Why am I with these people? Why am I in this situation? Why am I doing this? Then all of a sudden, you see a book or you see a picture and it says. I went to, to Michael Mead a retreat with some men. I said, why am I going to this men's retreat? I said yes to some. I don't know why. I get, I get, to the, I get there, and I'm, I'm in Pasadena, California, and we go all up the hills, the Salvation Army Retreat Center, and I get there, and I put my bags down, and I'm walking around. I said, why am I here? I should be back in Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, doing for that. So I, I walk into the hall. And I look around up on the wall, and there was a picture of Ramana Maharshi. I said, that's why I'm here. Ramana wants me here. So it's just amazing to me that Maya can take wherever she takes you, but she's taking consciousness. She, she, repeat that last couple of words that you cut out. Maya can take you anywhere. Maya does take you anywhere and everywhere. But really, Maya is the friend of consciousness because she's taking you to consciousness. Yeah. I, I got so lost in illusion thinking the pimp, the hustler, whereas it took me to the penitentiary, and that's where I found consciousness. Yeah. And, it, and that whole life you lived molded you into the kind of person who can bring consciousness to a certain kind of person you know with your with you know and you have the authority and the experience and the background to relate to those people 
which others wouldn't have. And so you've, it's given you a kind of a qualification or a value that, you know, is priceless. Yeah. So what do you do to renew yourself? To re- do you have a meditation practice? Do you, what do you do to kind of recharge your own batteries? Oh, go a uh, prison. The prison work. So really, so the prison work, so you don't sit down and meditate or anything like that, but just doing the prison work kind of recharges you? You know, I don't have a, I, I, I do meditation, but it's not, it's not my, I, I do it, and I, but it's not my formal, I, I, my practice now, now, is going into prison mm-hmm. Monday, and just that connection lasts me or keeps me focused on love. I mean, I, I I understand. I understand. Now you can meditate every day. You can levitate every way, but you, all of those things. But that's why they have something called savor or charity or zakat. Because when you're doing, when you're giving of yourself back to yourself, that is the greatest practice. Yeah. No. Very much. Very true. And. And uh, you mentioned several different words there. Many, many cultures have recognized this, and uh, you know, and it, it kind of um, you you know you, you're not giving to to get, but you do get you know more than you receive when you give, right? Always get more than you could ever, 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 ever give. You know, you go in and say, okay, well, I'm going here. I'm going to get it. Women, you know, a piece of my mind. And that thing, you know, they end up giving you a piece of your mind back to you, tenfold. Yeah. Oh my God, this is why I came in here today. I didn't even see that part of myself. So that's why I understand zakat. Why they, the Muslims stress zakat. It's one of the five pillars of faith is giving back zakat. You know, you know, the, uh, 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 everyone is always saying charity and giving savor. You know, and and I find whoever. Okay, now I'm going to step on some toes now. So you ready? Don't bother me. I, you know, I have an issue with these gurus that's running around. These popcorn get gurus running around here. You know, talking about they, they are that, and we are that, and you are that, and that's that. <laughs> they are not really giving back. I don't see the charitable programs. I don't see helping the homeless. I don't see feeding the, the foster child. I don't see them. You know, taking uh, having so much money going to the A's. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no. You know, you know, Ama. Of course, you've gone to see Ama, and uh, I heard a story recently where one of the most famous gurus in India said he wanted to meet with her, and she said, "Do some seva first. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, you know, I, I had to finally realize and say to myself, "Thank you." I, I, you know, I kept saying, "Why is it I'm not?" Traveling around the world, you know, ha- having hundreds of people bow to me and kiss my feet and all that. <laughs> I realized, no, but your your job, Kenny, is just to go and talk to your own. Just like Harriet, the Journal of Truth, they went back and got the slaves out of slavery. They knew the they knew the way. They knew the they knew the suffering. The same thing for you is go back and get your one, get your twos, and God will reward you for that far more than having hundreds of people kissing your feet. And fanning you with peacock feathers or whatever it was. <laughs> so I have a problem. So I got an issue with these 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 uh these popcorn gurus. 
it's Chitty Pimp Gurus right around here talking about, uh, you know, yeah, they be in the moment. Let God love you. I mean, I got a problem with that, man. I got issues with that. Because they should be doing, they should be supporting programs or people such as myself who are really doing it in the trenches. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, Gangaji is a nice exception to that, right? I mean, she has done her time going into the prisons, and pr- maybe she still does. I don't know. But um, if not for her, where would you be today, you know? Gangaji, that's why I love Gangaji, because she said, I want a prison project. I mean, that, I mean she could have had any kind. She could have had a women's, uh, 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 build a woman's home, habitat for humanity project, you know, a save the whale project. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She said, I want to go to prison, and in the prison, she came and got a few of us prison prisoners. Now, I've written a book about my meeting with her, my life, and how it was transformed, and it's touching thousands of people's lives. And and now I'm going back, and it's like, oh, this is what you're supposed to be doing, taking this message back to those who really would never ever hear it. Yep, and from from what you said. It, it, it sounds to me like there must be a lot of really receptive people in there, you know? It's like when they get off the streets and they're in the prison, then their mind begins to think uh, to, about deeper things, you know? Well, they're no longer distracted. Right, right. They're not doing drugs, they're not doing cigarettes, they're not doing anything, so they're like, why am I in here? Yeah. What did I do this time? What's it all about, really? How can I not go back? Well, you need to read the Bible. Oh, Jesus. They get jailhouse religion. That's the first. The first thing you get jailhouse religion. I ain't gonna do it no more. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad. I ain't gonna do it no more. You know, jailhouse religion. That that lasts about five minutes. Soon as you hit the brick, the Bible's gone, and the jailhouse gone, and the religion is gone. <laughs> Back to the street. But my understanding and my message and my focus now is real simple. You, I mean, you can have all these behavioral modification programs. You can have all these restorative justice programs. I'm not, not, those are all beautiful. They're really quite beautiful. You can have yoga, you can have all that. But I'm finding just loving kindness. Basic loving kindness is all they want to know because they haven't been loved. Right. I was all those, I'm just now running out of, to appreciate love and to allow the love in. My nervous system is just now saying, well, I, I think I can relax 15 minutes to be hugged on. Because you've been so traumatized all those years in prison. Yeah, you probably heard that story about the, I forget the, it's a Hawaiian thing, I can't pronounce it, Hawano, Pono, something or other, about the guy in the mental, criminal, uh, crim- <coughs> criminally insane mental hospital out in uh, Hawaii, right? And he just sat in his office and, and flipped through the files of the various patients and just loved them. I love you and I forgive you, you know? And one by one, they cleared out of the place. And, and, and because... Uh, there's no separation between, there's no separation in consciousness. That's no, I mean, you sit, I can sit right here and say, Rick, you, Rick, you are love. And you will feel that love thousands of miles away. Yeah. The same thing applies when you walk into a jail, you sit there and it says, and it's beam love. It's beam love. It's beam love. And they feel that love. So, oh, my God, this is the first time I've seen love in the manifestation of a human being or another human, or a man. 
And with women, it's in the, it's in the form of, of a man. They haven't seen love in a man. They've seen a lot of lust. Right. And anger and rage, but they haven't seen love in a man. So it's a, that's love. <laughs> Probably going to have all these women falling in love with you. Man. Be, I love them. They love me. And you should see it. Yeah. I, wow, look at her. Whoa, look at that. <laughs> of openness one thing I see as a possible kind of limitation is not everybody ha I mean potentially we all have we're all deeply we're all love you know in, in, in an ocean of it but a lot of people just don't have the they're kind of all closed down you know and it's not easy for them to love and so you know somebody like yourself who's been through a lot who's been with Gangaji and everything you know you're, you're at a point where your love can just flow but not every person could go in and do what you're doing and, and sit there and feel that kind of love, you know? Okay, now, now Rick, I, I'm, 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 I beg to differ. Okay, please, yeah. When you're living in the moment, mm, mm, mm. there's no separation. Can anybody live in the moment? Like 20 years ago when you were Mr. Hustle, you know, Mr. Pimp, could you have lived in the moment the way you can now? No. So there was some kind of develop development that had to take place. Meet somebody to show me how, to show me the moment. Yeah, to wake you up to that. Once I saw the moment through my, my teacher's eyes, oh, then I started seeing it in other people's eyes. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying is we need to... We need this to be contagious. We need it to spread so that more and more people can live in the moment like that, and then radiate the love to to others. And then it, then we can change everything. That's right. That's right. I'm doing what I, in a, in, a, in a very humble, in the most humble way I possibly can, the most gracious way. You know, is to go in and sit and just be available, mm -hmm. genuinely, so they can see a genuine love and experience. You just start fanning the, that the, this love that's always there starts the flame starts being fanned, yeah, and fanned. Pretty soon it becomes a blazing, 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 blazing inferno that consumes all that is not that. It's beautiful. And five years from now, you know, maybe some of those women that you're meeting with now will be doing what you're doing. Doing what I'm doing, yeah. 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 Cool. Yes. All righty. Well, uh, this has been a fulfilling talk. Is there, is there anything that you feel like we haven't covered that you'd like to say to people? No, no. Just just uh, go to my website, this, this sacred space. Uh, support our work that we're doing. You know, however you feel supported. Um. I'm open to uh, working individually through groups, coming doing side songs, um, just support the work that I'm doing with the women here in San Francisco. Everything I do out here to raise funds is to go to support the program and to expand my program now. Mm. Yeah, so obviously anybody who's has any connection with the prison system or any you know any kind of thing like that could get in touch with you and you know see what comes of it. Right. Right. And if they got connection to the bank account, that also helps. In other words, if they can support it financially. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> are you established as a nonprofit organization or anything like that? We are EIN number. Um, like a 501c3 or something? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I had to get, get off that straight. So now we can take do for, uh, a not donation and become not uh, tax deductible. Right, yeah. I'm working on accomplishing that too. I can just email me. I send. I send your phone. Okay. Um, so uh, great. So let me just kind of wrap things up here. Um, I've been talking with Kenny Johnson, who lives out on the West Coast. Um, you've heard his story, so I don't need to reiterate that. Um, his website, which I'll be linking to from batgap.com, is thissacredspace.org. And on there, there's um, a donate button. There's an explanation of everything he does. There's a place where you can invite him to come and speak and, and so on. Um, there's also his physical address, which is Box 3 in Fairfax, California. And um, you, we mentioned earlier in the interview that if you have you know, books that you'd like to donate that he could bring into the prison, um, you can send those out to him. Um, and uh, you probably have some kind of, I don't know, I don't see a newsletter people can sign up for, but, but uh, you know, they, they can stay in touch with you, I'm sure, if they want to. Oh, there is a subscribe thing. Yeah, yeah subscribe. And also, uh, yeah, right. And also, people that's just drop him an email. Just drop yeah, them. yep. Your, your contact stuff is on there. My phone number's on there. Give me a call. Great. Um, Kenny will be speaking at the Science and Non-Duality Conference, as we mentioned, so if you happen to be going to that, you'll, you'll see him there. Um, and uh, I'll be conducting a, a, a forum myself there um, with a couple of very interesting speakers, so you'll see that in the schedule. <clears throat> so um, in conclusion then, um, I've been, uh, if, you go, if you'd like to listen to more of these interviews, I do a new one every week, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel so new YouTube will notify you, or go to batgap.com and sign up for the email notification there. There's also a, a discussion group that develops around each interview um, that becomes quite lively, and you're free to participate in that. Uh, there is also a podcast. If uh, I just spoke to a guy the other day, he called me from Rishikesh, India, and mm -hmm. he said that um, he he's been hiking up in Nepal in the Himalayas and listening to Buddha at the gas pump while he hikes in the Himalayas. <laughs> so there's people all over the world doing things like that. So you can you know listen to the audio podcast, get it on your iPod if you want. Um, so all kinds of possibilities, and it, it continues to grow. So. Uh, as does Kenny's beautiful mission. So th thank you very much for everything you're you're doing, Kenny, and for for this interview and and for the love that you're you're sharing with people. It's it's very beautiful, and you're really uh, you're really giving back, you know. Yes, 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 yes. And I'm sure that you know you're a relatively young man. I'm sure in the course of your life, many many people are going to benefit from from what you're doing. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. We'll empty out those prisons. <laughs> All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening or watching, and we'll see you next week. Uh, next week is going to be Stuart Perrin, who is a disciple of uh, a fellow named Rudy who died in a plane crash way back in the 70s, but a very interesting story. I'm reading his book just now. And I think the following week um, we're going to have Anita Murjani, who had a near-death experience. He was 
uh, nearly died from cancer and then had this profound experience and, and kind of came back and went into complete remission from the cancer. And she, she's going to be fascinating. So stay tuned, and we'll see you next time.